Okay, it looks like it is uh, 6 o'clock here on the West Coast, so we're going to go ahead and get started with today's Motivational Monday phone call and podcast. I'm Kenton Jones with Multipure, and our special guest today, normally on these Motivational Monday calls, uh, we ask for Multipure independent builder leaders to share some of their wisdom about how they built their business. Uh, so today we're, uh, we're, we're changing things up a little bit. We're going straight to the top of Multipure, and we're going to hear from the man who started it all. So I'd like to introduce our guest speaker for tonight's Motivational Monday, and that is Multipure's CEO and co-founder, Alvin Rice. Hello, Alvin. Hello, Kenton, and hello to all and any distributors who are joining us on this podcast call. Welcome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for uh, for joining us. It is uh, when, at the time that we are recording this call. We are um, it's November 2020, and uh, boy, this is this has been a, a heck of a year. I don't I don't know how else to to describe it, uh, but it's hard to believe, Alvin, that uh, <laughs> that we're almost all the way through the year. Yes, and it's also hard to believe that just in one short month, we will be celebrating our 50th anniversary, which is somewhat shocking since I think uh, I, I can just feel like it just started yesterday, but in some ways it also seems like it's been 50 years. So it is a, it is amazing how time flies, and this year has been, a, uh, in some many ways, a horrible year, uh, but in some ways not so bad. So it's... Uh, Glad that we have the technology today that we didn't have 50 years ago because 50 years ago this type of podcast would not have been possible. And uh, during these times of COVID, it would have been very difficult to continue communicating with uh, distributors and customers. Uh, so it's wonderful that technology has advanced so far that we're now able to communicate safely from our own homes and still be able to talk to each other and, and hopefully inspire each other to move forward for hopefully what will be a tremendous 2021. You know, it's interesting that you brought that up, Alvin. Uh, I was going to ask you actually later in the podcast, but uh, I think we should go ahead and talk about it now, about what things looked like 50 years ago and, and how you were how you were building Multipure, how you and your brother, H. Allen, were, were building the company 50 years ago and, and how that looked so different than, like you said, it does today. I mean, you were – you had to be face-to-face -face with customers, right? Absolutely. I mean, the face-to-face -face was absolutely critical to growing, doing anything back 50 years ago. I mean, I was all of uh, 22 years old and, and uh, not particularly, did not particularly pride myself on being a, a salesman, but I found myself out knocking on doors uh, to try to promote and encourage people to use the multi drinking water system. And uh, it was a terrifying time for me. I never got comfortable out knocking on doors. And can you imagine going out and knocking on doors during the COVID or during during uh, 2020? I don't think anybody still goes out and knocks on doors. But that's that's the way this business was initially started is is knocking on doors. And I I can very well remember that when I would knock on the door, the best thing that could happen to me is that no one would answer because I was terrified. <laughs> I was absolutely terrified when somebody did answer because I didn't know what to say. And it, and it took quite a long time before I realized that, well, actually it was through uh, Don McCross and our, our VP in later years that he, he taught me that, you know, 
people don't know what you're going to say, so whatever you say is what they think you're going to say, so don't worry about what you're going to say. And that was so true, but uh, yeah, the times have changed so much in communication, uh, and the person-to-person -person contact was so essential to starting the business, and that was just one of many things that has changed. I mean, I can go on probably for hours about how starting the business, I mean, we, you know, we were working out of uh, my garage, and and uh, my brother Alan, he he built a uh, uh, eight by twelve foot shed in his backyard, and so he was doing work in his shed in his backyard, and I was doing work in my garage. And to think of those doing that in this time and age is 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 uh, almost uh, impossible. Uh, that people would still be able to build a business starting out in those types of conditions. So a tremendous things have changed. Our technology has changed in even manufacturing our product. The quality of our product has improved tremendously during the years because of technological changes. And uh, so today is a completely different time than 50 years ago. And um, it just, it's really hard to compare. But the person-to-person -person contact, now it's more through computers and I guess uh, emails and, and uh, Facebook and Twitter. And, I still have a hard time adapting to Facebook and Twitter. I'm not a Facebook or Twitter person, but I, I, I do manage to still have the ability to talk to people one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> well, you know, for as much as things have changed, some things are, are still the same, Alvin. Uh, and and what, you, what you said earlier about what Don McCrossin taught you about, you know, what, what people, uh, you know, what, what you're worried about saying, you shouldn't worry about it. Uh, I mean, it, you know, even though that was a lesson from 50 years ago, it, it's still applicable today. I mean, no, no matter how, no matter how the, the the medium of communication has changed, I mean, we're still communicating with people, and and I think that's still an important lesson that that a you have to overcome your fear, right? Like you did knocking on doors, uh, and and you just have to you just have to tell them you know what's on your mind uh, without having a, a big you know, I guess memorized script. Uh, I think those lessons are still applicable today. Wouldn't you agree? Well, absolutely. I think one very important part of what you're saying is you've got to speak from the heart. You've got to. You have to believe in what you're doing. You have to believe in what you're saying, and you have to have confidence in that what you're telling people is factual information and true information. Uh, to try to go out and present something that you don't believe in or that you don't have faith in would be very challenging, very difficult, if not impossible. Certainly, I don't think you would have much degree of success if you're not basing your communication, whatever method of communication might be, speaking from the heart. Um, we felt so strongly about the product that we were offering people and the benefit that that product had to people that it, it, even though I was terrified, I, I felt very comfortable trying to encourage people to at least listen to what I said because it was going to be very beneficial to them in improving their health. So, you know, whether you're communicating uh, Twitter or Facebook or I don't know what all the new technologies are, but you've got to speak from the heart. And that's why I think it's been so important that our, our, our distributors, our builders, you know, they're users. They know the product. They use the product. They know the benefit of the product. They, they understand the value that that product has, not only for their body, their health, and their family's health, but they understand the value the product would have to the health of the people they're introducing it to. 
And so, you know, if there's a word, if there's something that I would encourage people to continue doing is speak from the heart. Let people know that you're sincere about what you're talking about and that you believe in what you're talking about because that will go a long way in helping the the prospect, the potential customer, to become comfortable with you, the distributor, builder, as a person they can have confidence in. So that that's a very important part of talking to people, either you're talking verbally or whether you're talking to electronically. But they have to understand that you're speaking from the heart and you're speaking the truth. And, you know, Alvin, that brings to mind something else that hasn't changed in the past 50 years, and that is contamination. You know, the, the names might change, the, the, the sources might change, but what hasn't changed is that our water supply is still, uh, is still vulnerable, our water supply is, is fragile and is easily contaminated. Um, do, do you want to talk a little bit about, about how you've seen things like contaminants change over, over the past 50 years? Well, you know, one of the things that really motivated us to, to get into the water purification business was the fact that back in the 70s, it was just the beginning of the environmental awareness of water contamination. Uh, back in the late 60s, early 70s, there was an environmentalist by the name of uh, environmentalist, or uh, there may be another word for what he is, a guy by the name of Ralph Nader. And uh, he was a very uh, forward-thinking person when it came to the environment, and he had had a study done on uh, the nation's uh, water, uh, rivers, streams, water supplies, uh, the water that was being used for people to drink. And uh, he found that there, at that time, he, had that, he was able to identify over 2,000 different contaminants that he found in rivers, streams, drinking water, that he was able to identify that could have potentially affected a person's health. And he began as a uh, kind of a uh, motivator, I guess, or you know, making people aware that the water, you should not take the water for granted, that there were things in the water. People did not know all the details of these contaminants other than that they were just now for the first time being exposed in the early 70s. And that kind of sent an alarm bell out to some of the news media and they became much more aware of different cases of contamination in our water supplies. And it was a, it was years later uh, where before people began to recognize just how severe those contamination problems were. I mean, even in the 70s, people were concerned about taste, odor, and smell. There was a little concern about chlorine, but I was amazed that during my time of knocking on doors and I talked to people about their water and water purity, and some people would actually tell me that they knew their water was pure because they could smell the chlorine in the water. So smelling the chlorine <laughs> gave, gave, gave them a sense of uh, uh, security that they, oh, my water is pure because you, you can smell this chlorine. And, you know, today that's just astonishing that people would think that because it was also in the 70s that uh, there was research being done. There was a doctor by the name of Dr. Donsbach who put out a book on uh, chlorine, chlorine, cholesterol, and heart disease. And uh, in the 70s, they began to recognize that uh, uh, chlorine had some relationship to cardio, uh, cardio, cardio diseases because it was had some effect to hardening of the arteries, so it became questionable. 
And then in the mid-70s, late 70s, they actually began to identify that chlorine was reacting with uh, organic matter in the water, uh, decaying leaves and other organic matter that may be found in the water, and that they were creating trihalomethanes. Trihalomethanes were then, uh, in the late 70s, early 80s, were identified as cancer-causing substances. Uh, these were specific substances that had been identified that were linked to people developing cancer. Uh, and then, then, of course, amazing as it may seem, uh, lead in drinking water, uh, they knew lead was in drinking water in the early 1900s. Uh, at least the scientific community did, but there was not a lot of push on making people aware of this. It wasn't until the late 80s that people really became alarmed about lead in their drinking water, even though that information was available even as back, far back as the early 1900s. Uh, it's amazing how long it takes for the bureaucracies to notify the consumers what is potentially harmful in their environment. Uh, just this last month, I wrote a message, a founder, a co-founder's message. I, I don't know if the folks that are listening have had a chance to receive it yet or not, but it talked about uh, a brain-eating amoeba in the water in the water supply in Texas. Uh, That's some of the count. Yeah, it was terrifying. I mean, just imagine if you wake up or you get a notice or there's a public publication in the newspaper, the mail that says, do not use your tap water. That, that was what was being said. It said, do not use your tap water. They had identified a brain-eating amoeba in the, in the water supply, in the drinking water supply. Now, it, it turns out that the, drain, the brain-eating amoeba, which actually caused the death of at least one, one little boy, he was six years old, who died from it, uh, but it, it's not, it doesn't enter your system through your drinking, although if you drink it, you have, you have been drinking it, but it's mostly from inhaling it through your nose, it gets into your nose, and ultimately ends up in the brain and, and eats away at the brain. Uh, so they weren't telling people that they were going to uh, get this uh, brain-eating amoeba from drinking the water. It's just from the exposure of the water could expose you to this brain-eating amoeba. Uh, just imagine how long that amoeba was in the water before it was identified. Uh, this has been true with so many contaminants. So many, so many contaminants that are in the water for years before people are notified that, by the way, your water has lead in it. By the way, your water has TCE in it. By the way, your water has PCB in it. All these different contaminants, people have been drinking for years before they're finally notified that these contaminants are in your water supply. Uh, even fluorine itself, it took 60 years, 60 years of use of chlorinated, chlorinated water before the scientific community actually identified that chlorine was reacting with organic matter and creating trihalomethanes. So people had, I mean, they started chlorinating the water, I think, if I remember correctly, back in about 1906 or something, some, some close in the early 1900s. But it took 60 years before the scientific community recognized and notified, started informing people that chlorine, while it's a wonderful thing to kill microorganisms in your water, it does react with organics and can create these cancer-causing substances. Now, I'm not saying they shouldn't chlorinate the water because it's been responsible for saving millions and millions of lives from the microbiological contaminants that fit in your water supply. But one of the things that we've always said is once the chlorine has done its job, you don't need to drink it 
I mean, it, you can take it out, and it's so easy to take out with carbon filtration. Now, triomethanes are a little more difficult to take out. Not all triomethanes uh, can be removed by simple carbon filters. It takes a carbon block to effectively remove the triomethanes. So just because there are carbon filters on the market, they can take out chlorine. It's actually one of the easier substances to remove. But to remove the trihalomethanes, you need a much more dense filter like the carbon block in order to remove the trihalomethanes. But my point was, my point was trying to be, and I might lose track of my points as we go along here, <laughs> people will drink water for years and years and years and years that have contaminants in it. And, and our, our, our distributors and builders, they understand the importance of having clean water. Uh, you don't know you don't know what's in your water. Water is, you know, you, you pour a glass of water, it looks clean and clear, but you don't know what's hidden in that glass of water. And in, in the article that I wrote, uh, hopefully some of you folks have read. If not, hopefully you read it when you get it. Uh, I talk about the the things that I fear the most uh, is what you don't know. Uh, you know, we now know that there can be lead in your water. We now know that there can be THMs in your water, and we now know that there can be a wide range of contaminants in your water. But the things that we don't know are what concern me the most. And the multi-tier carbon block filter has consistently been proven to be the most effective filtering system in the world to remove these chemical contaminants that have found their way in the water. Speaking of which, the EPA estimates that there are 60,000 chemicals used within the United States. 60,000 wow. chemicals. And now, of course, the EPA, you know, they have, uh, uh, they monitor and regulate uh, 91 pollutants, but there's only really standards set for 80 contaminants. So there is so much in the water that we don't know, but what we do know is that the multi-tier carbon block does the best job of removing these contaminants that become identified. So the contaminants have, the list of known contaminants has multiplied a uh, hundredfold, you know, as from, from back in the 1970. Uh, back in 1970, when the EPA was first uh, uh, formed, uh, it was back about 19, I think it was also 1970, they set standards for like six contaminants. Um, now it's 80 contaminants. So even after all that time, after 50 years, knowing that there are these thousands of contaminants out there, they still only manage to set contaminants for 80, I mean, standards for 80 contaminants. It, it's simply because science takes so long to evaluate the adverse effect that these contaminants can have on the, on the human body. And there's a, a, a cost factor. It's also a factor that you can't shut off the water Water is essential to life. People have to be able to go and get water. So they can't say, well, my gosh, we've got all these contaminants. We can't let people drink water. That's, that's not practical. Uh, you know, it's, they have to have water to exist. And the problem is that people have been consuming this contaminated water for generations. And unless they have something to uh, remove or reduce the risk of these contaminants to your health, uh, this is the problem that we have today with the number of people who develop cancer. Uh, the, C the Cancer uh, uh, Society, uh, they're saying that this year, uh, see, this year they're expecting over 
seven, one, or 1.8 million new cases of cancer in 2020. 1.8 new million cases wow. of cancer in 2020. Uh, this is according to the, uh, uh, the cancer.gov. And they're saying that more than over 600,000 people will die from cancer this year in 2020. Over 600,000. And we know that some of these cancers have been related to, associated with contaminants that have been specifically identified in tap water, in the drinking water. And there's many more that may be uh, also cancer-causing, but science simply hasn't caught up yet to be able to identify them to let people know. So the contamination issue in the drinking water has, in my opinion, become uh, much greater than it was 70 years ago. Just think of all the additional chemicals that have been added to our environment since 1970. It's mind-boggling. Oh, yeah. All those chemicals. And another frightening thing is that they don't even know the synergism of these chemicals when they get together, just like chlorine. Right. And they finally identify that chlorine reacts with organics and forms a, a cancer-causing substance. Well, you know this chemical soup out there, and who knows how they react with each other and how they may morph into something that they currently are not. So there's so much unknown about these these uh, chemicals that, to me, it's just mind-boggling that people just don't run out and scream and yell that they want a, a filter that will remove the stuff to safeguard them from and, and from and drinking these contaminants that are in their drinking water supply. They're not going to go away. Uh, speaking of which, in this article, I meant, they, they have identified, uh, I think it's what, uh, 5,000 uh, uh, fluoridated compounds uh, 5,000, they've identified 5,000 fluorinated compounds called PFASs, which Multicure certified to remove, and they, these are what they classify as forever chemicals because these chemicals don't automatically degrade. Uh, they don't disappear. They're in the water forever, uh, but there is a way to remove them. Uh, Multicure does that. Multicure removes that. Uh, they haven't even begun to identify how many of these are linked to cancer yet, that will take decades for them to do that. So I am always astonished, amazed at how people don't do the simplest of things to safeguard themselves and their family from ingesting these potential cancer-causing substances. It is so easy, so economical, so affordable to simply have an effective drinking water filter in your home, and Multipure has proven to be the best and the most effective drinking water filter in the home. And that's backed up by NSF certification. I mean, you you know the, the statistics there almost better than I do, Kenton. The number of filters that are listed by NSF, and if you look at and you analyze all the filters that are listed by NSF, and what is it, like 5,000 or something like that, filters that are certified by NSF, but when you start listing, ticking off all the uh, pollutants that currently are regulated, and you start saying, well, will it remove this, or will it remove this, will it remove this, you start adding all those contaminants together, Multipure is the only one to the NSF certification that continues to be effective in removing the widest range of chemical contaminants than any other water filter in the world, in the world. And that, after seven years, is amazing. 
I mean, NSF didn't even start certifying drinking water filters until I think it was the early 80s, uh, late 70s, early 80s. Uh, but even after all that time, let's say, so that was 40 years ago, we, Multipure has managed to be the leader in a, producing a filter that will give you the best and safest, best tasting water, the safest water on the marketplace. So the contamination problems have not gone away. Uh, I think, in my opinion, they're even worse now than they were before. Uh, people are not as concerned about dirt. I mean, back in 1970, the water was even dirty, but now the water at least looks somewhat clean. Um, but it's not, it's not the things that you can see in the water. It's not even the things that you can smell in the water. It's the things that you don't see, those things that you don't smell that you should be most concerned with. And it's like having an insurance policy. The Mulcher drinking water system is there to pro pro provide a protection to you, to pro safeguard your health by removing these contaminants so that your, your body doesn't become the filter, but that Multipure is the filter. Very important to try to, people, try to get people to understand that. Uh, I've always thought that Multipure builder, uh, builder distributors are almost like educators. We're almost like teachers. We're trying to educate people on understanding the uh, adverse effect that drinking chlorinated tap water can have on your health. We, we educate people. And I feel very, very proud that we as a company have helped educate millions of people, not only in the United States, but around the world, to help educate millions of people that having a filter in your water is a very small investment to protect you from these cancer-causing contaminants that could have tremendous adverse effect on your health. I've worn myself out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Alvin, you are the easiest interview because uh, <laughs> just we wind you up and, and let you go. I mean, there's so much that you have to say. Um, so I, I did want to talk, though, a little bit about some of the, you know, you, you, you talk about how people know about contaminants now, but it's the things that we don't know. But um, but also, you know, back in the 70s, um, I, I think one of the things is, is that back in the 70s, people could choose to be um, ignorant about what was in their water. Today, it's not so easy because back then, you could just not read the newspaper and not turn on the 6 o'clock news, Right. But now you well, can't go anywhere because every, everybody's connected to Twitter. Everybody's connected to the internet. So, so information spreads a lot more quickly now. Well, absolutely. So, There's no the, doubt about it. The, the information is readily available now, so you can't you can't completely ignore it. Uh, some people still try to still choose to do so, or they don't believe it. It's people are somewhat skeptical about some of the information that is out in the media or even on the internet. And they and rightfully so, uh, but they certainly can't ignore it. And there's a, just a tremendous amount of information out there that if the person has the slightest interest whatsoever, uh, they can do just a little bit of research and they can identify uh, the risk associated with these chemicals in their water supply. So yeah. Uh, one one other thing that's changed a lot, Alvin, and uh, and this this kind of comes back to certification and Multipure's position in certification. Uh, but the competitive landscape has changed quite a bit since the early 70s when, when there weren't nearly as many competitors out there. Uh, and, and now, as, as you alluded to earlier, I, I think it's, I think it's you know, 10, 15,000 products that are now certified by NSF for water treatment. 
Um, do, do you want to talk a little bit about about how Multipure is in in the competitive landscape? Well, you're absolutely right. It, it, there is a much more competitive market, and there are, are a lot more different types of filters out there. But in reality, the technologies have not really changed. Uh, the technologies that existed in 1970 are still the technologies of today. Uh, Multipure, of course, developing the carbon block was the newest technology to be developed for water filtration uh, since for 100 years. Uh, the other technologies that existed then and they exist today, uh, take for example reverse osmosis. Uh, reverse osmosis was uh, available in the 1970s. Uh, carbon filters were available in, in the 1970s. Distillation was available in the 1970s. Water softening was available in the 1970s. Uh, that technology has been somewhat used for drinking water filters by a company called Zero Water. They're using water softening resin uh, to, to claim that if you take out all the TDS, you then have pure water, which could be nothing further than the truth. Uh, but, you know, the resin brings the TDS level down to zero, but people don't get sick from drinking TDS. Uh, they get sick from the chemicals. Uh, and the, the, the zero water does not do a very, very effective job on removing chemicals, but they make a big deal out of the TDS. But that, all that technology was still there in 1970, so that technology still exists today. Uh, reverse osmosis uh, has, has grown and, and somewhat flourished, per se, and there again, it's a po and I, I think it's a, pro a possible a, a problem of people not truly understanding of these different technologies. I don't care what brand or what name you put on it, the technologies are basically the same as they were in the 70s. Reverse osmosis removes dissolved solids, like like uh, reverse osmosis, I mean like the water softening resin, it's just through a different technology. But you're drinking water without the natural minerals. And you can go on, you can go on a line, like you said, uh, this information is readily available to anybody, and, and Google benefits of natural minerals in your water. And you will get a, a, a tremendous amount of in, uh, information about how beneficial it is to have water that contains calcium and potassium and zinc and, and magnesium. All these things are so beneficial for vital health. And reverse osmosis, you know, they take out salt. I mean, they were developed to remove sodium. They were developed by the military to, to desalinate seawater and then private business, the water softening industry in particular, they downsized it for residential use because in the 70s, the water softening industry was being attacked for adding sodium to the water, which was causing people to have hypertension and high blood pressure. So they said, well, we can add it, but now we're going to sell you a, a technology to remove what we added. But in the process of adding the sodium or, or removing the sodium, they're also now removing the calcium, the potassium, magnesium, these these minerals are so beneficial to good health. So that, that technology is, is still there. Uh, and it, as all drinking water companies, they continue to grow because the, the, uh, the demand for perceived good water is, is continuing to grow as well. People simply need to be educated on what's the best water for the best health. Now, if I'm a steam iron, a steam iron I would want distilled water. I would want RO water if I was a steam iron because you don't want those minerals in the water to clog up the steam. But the human body 
needs those beneficial minerals. And that information is so readily available for people to research the benefits of having those natural minerals in the water to, to, to help you have a, a good health. Carbon filters, I mean, they still sell carbon filters because there's so many companies, most companies, are in the water filtration business primarily for profit and money. They, 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 yeah. they seem to sidestep the benefits of the health issue because it's more expensive. You can buy a carbon filter for, what, $30 or $50, but it's not going to protect your health. You know, these companies that sell, you know, and they sell thousands of them. It's really sad to me how many people have gone out and bought a water filter that they perceive has solved their drinking water filter problems. The perception is that if you have a filter, the word filter, that it's going to take out the contaminant. That gets back to the education process. Not only are we educating people on the benefits of having pure water and the, the adverse effect of these chemicals, we're also educating people on the differences in the technologies and what they do. It's important that consumers understand that there's limitations on these other filters that simply cannot perform the way multiplier does. Now, you would think that with NSF, that would be easy to do. But in reality, no one knows who NSF is. They still think that NSF is a, is a, a, a canceled check or a check that bounced or something, non-sufficient funds. <laughs> But, but, but at least we have at our, at our disposal the certification information that, that to help educate people uh, on the benefits of, the, of, of having a product that, in fact, removes these contaminants. These, these, other, these other technologies and the companies that market them, mass marketing or retail marketing and whatnot, uh, they're, they're, some, they package these products like, like the zero water, the, the, the misleading Advertising they do just makes my skin crawl. This actually makes my skin crawl uh, because they, they so misrepresent that zero water means no contaminants. And then you have the, the what used to be the faucet mount filters, which are becoming less popular today because it's becoming more difficult to hook these faucet mount filters up to the more modern faucets. And they sell them, they, 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 the upfront cost appears to be low. And they have these little, re these little replacement filters that have like 15, uh, 15 ounces of carbon in them that you have to replace every, every three months. And when you start calculating the cost of replacing that filter every three months and what you get out of that, it far exceeds what the cost of the multi-pure replacement filter costs are. So they're limited, uh, they're limited in their capacity. They're, they're much more expensive to maintain on the long run. I mean, it's really at the front end cost, it's less, but this gets back to education. Educate people, you know, put, put it down on a piece of paper. Well, this is what you would spend after one year. Well, my question is, do you stop drinking water after one year? You know, I, I, we still have people drinking off pure water that's been using it for 50 years. You don't drink water for just one year. It's not the annual cost. It's the extended cost of using a filter for a long period of time. And again, another thing that I, I thought of just the other day, um, I was looking at our thing in a steel unit, uh, the environmental consequences of buying some of these filter systems that are mostly made out of plastic that go into the landfill that will sit there for a thousand yeah. years. Uh, I was I was astonished, at, not astonished, but I was reminding myself, we designed that stainless steel unit 50 years ago. And that design has yeah. basically stayed the same for all those years. I can't, I can't think of another product that has been around for 50 years that still looks the same. 
Now, that's a good thing in the sense that I'm glad I'm not driving a 50-year-old car. I mean, I like the modern, the modern cars, uh, and I'm glad I'm not using the same TV that I used 50 years ago where I had to get up off the couch and turn the button to change the channels. Uh, so, you know, change is good. Change is really good for certain technologies and certain uh, appliances that you buy. I mean, I'm, I'm really thankful that there's been all this upgrades and some of this technology. New models come out every year. So you go out and buy a new car. Oh, my heavens, like iPhones, uh, your cell phones. How many cell phones have people bought over a 10-year period of time? Oh, boy. But that, but that stainless steel unit, it's, 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 it's almost bulletproof. I mean, it basically has been not modified for 50 years. And it works as good today yeah. as it did 50 years ago. That, that housing is, you know, it's like the rock of Gibraltar. Gibraltar. So we we have saved maybe, the maybe environment. Even better. Maybe even better. And uh, and and you know I'm not saying there's not room for improvement. And we certainly we certainly want to look at uh, down the road and see if there's things that we can do to to improve whatever we have. I know we certainly have made uh, tremendous improvements on our, our on our carbon filter. Uh, the uh, technology we use today to make that filter is much more advanced, and the quality of the product is much better. So we have made changes that are not so superficial, but they're more internal. They help people to to have uh, the healthiest possible healthiest water possible, and to remove the widest range of contaminants as possible. So changing is good in that sense. And now, Pinton, I lost the track of, of my train of thought, and I'm not sure what your question was and whether or not I've answered it. So. <laughs> you definitely answered it, Alvin. Uh, but I, I do want to, uh, you know, I, I, I want to kind of wrap things up here uh, and, and talk a little bit. We've, we've talked a lot about 50 years ago, 50 years ago, and, and, and how things have changed up to this point. Do uh, you want to look into the future? Tell us what you see in the future. Uh, Maybe not just for the company, but for the industry. Well, the industry will continue to face the challenges of trying to deal with these growing list of contaminants. There will be more contaminants added to the EPA uh, standards list as time goes by, and the challenge for most companies will be trying to find ways to uh, comply or be able to remove those contaminants. We, in Multicure, will. We will be no different if there's something that pops up that we simply uh, currently don't have an ingredient to to remove. We will certainly we and we do this constantly. We're constantly doing research on trying to find ways to remove more contaminants. So the the, the future will be us making a continued commitment to resolve or find solutions to new evolving pollution problems. I mean, we know that it's not just one. It's not just one element that our filter is made of. It's not just a carbon-based filter. I mean, it's carbon-based, but we have other specialty uh, components that we've added to the filter to either, A, make it last longer as far as removing certain contaminants or to help it remove contaminants that it doesn't currently remove. So it's a formulation blend that allows us to do things that other carbon filters cannot do. So we continue to invest heavily and making sure that we are aware of emerging contaminants and making sure that we have technology that is able to address those contaminants. And we still are looking, we have, we have, we continue to spend and invest on trying to find ways to remove contaminants like fluoride. That has always been an issue for as long as I can remember. 
And we're continuing to try to find a way to, to successfully do that as well. Uh, with the introduction of the, uh, the Aqualex a few years back, that started addressing the microbiological contaminants that people are concerned about, and we will continue to grow that, that, uh, that platform as well. So, and, and even back to the stainless steel unit, I know that um, we would like to find a way to make that unit a little more uh, uh, consumer friendly as far as changing the filter. So we're going to be addressing that. And so for the, for the foreseeable future, there's a number of things that Mulcher will continue to do to try to, try to provide uh, the consumer, our, our, our builders, the best possible solution and the easiest solution to solving the growing water pollution problems. Are you there? Hello? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Alvin, can you still hear me? Yeah, I lost there we I go. lost you there. Yeah. So uh, Well I, I was uh, I was saying that the 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 problem uh the the, the problems continue. Uh but Multipure continues to work for new solutions. Yeah, one good thing about being in the drinking water filter business is there will never be there will never be a lack of need for our product. Uh, <laughs> as, as long as long as humankind exists and humankind needs depends upon water as one of the essentials for life. So the, one of the great things about being involved in this industry is the industry is going to continue to grow. And continue to mature, and you have unlimited opportunity uh, to grow whatever to whatever extent that you want to, whatever amount of effort you want to put into it. But the biggest thing I think you want to feel is that you are doing a great service to the people that you talk to. You're you're providing a tremendous service to them by helping them have a better source of drinking water. And especially this this last year has proven that. It's also a great opportunity to help people find a way to earn extra income by being a distributor or a builder. Uh, today, more than ever, there are people looking for ways to supplement or replace the income that they've lost. And ha being a multi-career builder gives them that opportunity. Uh, you don't have to go to school for four years. Uh, you, you know, you, you just learn from, from the materials that we have, and we have a lot more uh, resources today than we had uh, back when the network marketing program was first developed back in 1982. Uh, the way that it communicates is much easier. So uh, not only is there an endless number of customers for the future, but you also have a great opportunity to help people with their financial success as well. It's a, it's a wonderful business to be in. You feel good about the product. You feel good about the, the people you help to have financial resources. It's just a, a wonderful way to spend your productive life, and you can be very proud of what you've done. I am so grateful for what our builders have done uh, in helping the millions of people to have a better, safer water and also help millions of people to earn extra income. Yeah, you know, it's very fulfilling work. And it's, uh, you know, no, no matter what your involvement with Multipure is, you know at the end of the day that you're helping people solve a real-world problem and, and protect themselves and protect their families, their children, uh, from, from environmental contaminants that we know are out there. Absolutely. So, Alvin, I, I think uh, – go ahead. 
I said, I couldn't have said it better. Sounds great. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, Alvin, I'm going to take this opportunity to tease Multipure's upcoming 50th anniversary celebration. It's going to be on December 7th. We're going to have a uh, an online live event. I uh, just want to uh, let everybody know that Alvin's going to be there, going to be sharing more about the 50th anniversary of Multipure coming up December 7th, 2020, 50 years with Multipure, our golden anniversary. Uh, and today, Alvin, I just want to thank you so much for, for uh, not only for, for joining us for this podcast and, and sharing just what I know is just a sliver of your insight into into the industry, into the environment, into the company. Um, but uh, but also thank you for everything that you've done for the builders who are listening to to this podcast and, and developing the world leading product and, uh, and and doing our best to make sure everybody knows about it. So thank you, Alvin. I'm more than happy to do it. I just want to thank all our distributors for their continued loyal support. Thank you so very much. All right. Thank you so much, Alvin Rice, Multipure's co-founder and CEO. Thank you very much for your time listening to this podcast and phone call. We really appreciate you and uh, just want to remind everybody to taste the difference with Multipure. Goodbye. Goodbye.